love for one another has never been so needful for Grace Community Bible Church than the last two years. Many of us are confused. Many of us are isolated. We sit here in these pews alone. And yet, love for one another at Grace Community Bible Church has never been more difficult in our church and other churches than the last two years. Never more needful and yet never more difficult. Not in my life of being saved in 20, since I was 27, has it been more difficult than now. It was all just verses on the wall till now. So many reasons that I could get into the dis- disagreement, the irritation, the anger, the disappointment, the resentment, and all of this can lead to malice and deceit and envy and slander. Why is it so hard to love? Why am I bringing this up? Why now? I'm going to say it. Well, because one believer thinks it's unloving to wear a mask, and one believer thinks it's unloving not to wear a mask. Uh, Because one believer thinks it's irresponsible to get the vaccine for COVID, And one believer thinks it's irresponsible to not get the vaccine for COVID. Because one believer thinks it's a sin to obey the government mandate to wear masks. And one thinks it's a sin to disobey a government mandate to wear masks. Because one believer thinks it's righteous to sign a religious exemption from an employer-related vaccine mandate. And another believer thinks it's unrighteous to sign a religious exemption form for employer-related vaccine mandate. One believer says it's loving to do this about the vaccine, about the mandate, about the mass, about the employer. And another believer in the same church thinks it's loving to do that about the vaccine, about the mandate, about the... And never in my ministry experience of being ordained almost 14 years now, has it ever been more difficult to love one another than it has been in the last two years? I'll admit it if you will. But listen carefully. This church will not survive without Holy Spirit-produced love. We will die. We will implode in upon ourselves, biting and devouring one another. That's why Peter says in verse 8, look at it, above all. Peter has said so many profound things in the book of 1 Peter. He just talked about prayer. But now he comes to verse 8, he says what? Does he think it's important? He says, above all. Love is of supreme importance during this hard 
road home to heaven. Why? Well, because there's danger both to the church and to the world if our love grows cold. First, to the church, if our love grows cold, we begin to bite and devour one. We begin to lack unity. We begin to disassemble and dissolve and fall into disunity. And then the world, whose hope is the lighthouse of the church, sees us and does not know that we are Christians by our lack of love. And so the light of the church grows dim when we do not love one another. And so the church and the world are in danger if we will not obey 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 8. Peter is saying this is a fundamental characteristic that will enable Grace Community Bible Church to, to survive all that is coming down, the pressures that are coming down. What is the one thing that is fundamental that will help us to survive? It is this, our willingness to love one another during this hard road home to heaven. Now I'm asking the Holy Spirit certain things this week. What a week it's been. And I'm asking him to do something, and I probably haven't said this before, but I'm going to say it. I'm asking the Holy Spirit would cause me, my wife, and every single individual in this church, in this sermon, to look in the sermon at their own heart their own life, and not their wife, their kids, or the person across the pew. I'm begging the Holy Spirit to do this. At least first. To that end, we're going to look at three aspects of love that have taken to heart will relight the bonfire of love where in some times and in some places it has grown cold and dim. Three aspects of love, all taken from verse 8. Let's get to it. The first aspect of love, number one, the nature of love. What is love like? The nature of love. The text says, Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another. This is a command. This is not a request. This is a command. Love can be commanded, which means while it is emotional, there is emotion in biblical love. Don't let anyone tell you there is not. It is true. But primarily, love is a decision and a choice of the will for the good of another. This is a command which is encouraging because it means that in the churches in Peter's day, they were struggling with love, which means they maybe had some issues with it. They needed to be encouraged. They needed to stir it up. But it says, keep fervent in your love, which means they have it. Every true believer has the very love of Christ within them. They do love other believers in principle and in power. It is who they are as Christians. But even so, we've been born again to love, Peter says, but, but love even more. Stir it up. Don't let it grow cold. It's commanded to stir up love. That's 
strangely encouraging to me. That we may be struggling, but that's okay. The Holy Spirit can help us to keep fervent in our love. And this command is in the present tense. We don't give a love bomb every year around here. Or have a love bomb go off when you're 27 and get saved, and then it just fizzles out for the rest of your life. This is a present tense, ongoing command to stir it up, to stoke the fires of love in this fellowship. Who do we love? The text says, we're going to unpack all of it here. Above all, keep fervent in your love. Do you see it? Who is it? For one another. For the benefit of one another. Who's the one another? This is not a command to love your enemies. This is a command to love your brothers and sisters, specifically in the church that God has providentially placed you. Here, Grace Community Bible Church. This is love for the brothers and sisters in this fellowship, in the context. And all of us are called to love one another. No exemption forms here will I sign, ever. We're all called to love one another. Now, what does fervently imply about the nature of our love for one another? Well, we know what fervent means in the English language. This underlying word is is different. It's more of a physiologic term. What I mean, a muscle term. This is a kind of love that stretches to the furthest limit of a muscle's capacities, taking your muscle to the breaking point, to the furthest extent of something. I just watched Chariots of Fire. I highly recommend it. I watch Chariots of Fire from time to time. I love the story of Eric Little. In the training for racing, at the very end, pushing your body and your muscles to the point of exhaustion where you break the tape and you stretch out. Don't look to the right. Don't look to the left. You stretch out and you finish the race to the breaking point, or if you like, the idea of a rubber band stretched out for others to its breaking point, sometimes at great cost to yourself, an intense, extending kind of love for the brethren. This is what fervent means. This is the fervency of love that Peter wants us to stir back up again. I admit I did not get this at age 27 when I first got saved at all. I'm like, I can't believe, let's do Bible studies together, let's go through Romans, let's get together every night. I'm a Christian, I couldn't wait to be at church, I couldn't wait to hear the Word of God. Everyone thought I was getting weird. I love the brothers and sisters, it was just a hunger to be with them. And I'm like, why all the commands to love each other in the Scriptures? Why not more commands to love your enemies? That made sense to me at age 27. Now at age 50, being in ministry for 14 years, guess what makes sense? You know why? Because all the forces of the world, the flesh, and the devil are working overtime to kill this church and to kill the gospel witness that goes forth from these walls. And so it's only the Holy Spirit that it's going to bring us back together. It's going to be a Holy Spirit event. Supernatural love. We don't bind together from hobbies, although it's fun. We don't do these things. Ultimately, what brings us together is the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
And that's what takes all kinds of misfits like us from all walks of life and brings us together under the flag of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. That is Holy Spirit love, an ongoing, selfless, enduring commitment of the will to stretch ourselves out for the benefit of others in this church, often at great cost to ourselves. That is the nature of love. Number two. Number two, and this is really the heart of this text, and it's on our minds, so let's get to it. Number two, then, the expression of love. The expression of love, or how. We did what, now how do we love? Now, there's lots of passages in the Scripture, guess which one we are doing? This one. In this text, how we love is found right here. Look at it. Let's read it again. Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another because love covers a multitude of sins. Love expresses itself in this passage, the how, by covering sin. And what we're going to do here in the middle of this message is to briefly talk about what love covering sin doesn't mean, and then we'll turn to what love covering sin does mean, okay? So first, what it doesn't mean. This this can't mean ignoring sin in this fellowship. Brothers and sisters, sin is evil. Sin is the enemy. It's a big deal. Jesus went to the cross and did what he did there, and all the forces of hell were unfurled. The forces of darkness were poured out upon him in six hours, and he dealt with our sin. So this text can't be sweeping sin under the rug. Covering sin can't mean we simply ignore sin in our brothers and sisters like it's a small thing. Secondly, what this can't mean is it can't mean relabeling sin, um, something less than sin. We see sin, and okay, we're covering it, so how we're going to cover it is we're going to label it as something else, or like that's their personality, or that's just a, their habit, or it's just an annoyance, or an overreaction, or a gray area, or immaturity, or any other label that you can think of. One thing that this isn't is relabeling sin. What does it mean to cover sin? Well, it can't mean ignoring, relabeling, and it can't mean three, it can't mean concealing sin. So like we dig a hole and we throw their sin in that hole, we put dirt over it, put a smile on our face, and move on so that people don't know about it. It's not ignoring, relabeling, or concealing sin. And you know what else? This doesn't mean, this passage doesn't mean that we don't ever confront sin. But guess, this verse is not about confronting sin. This verse is about covering sin. We have to bring these passages of scriptures together, scripture interprets scripture. We know in Matthew Chapter 18, it's clear. If your brother sins, go and show him his fault in private. In private. If he listens to you, you have won your brother. That's a great verse. 
on confronting sin. This verse is on covering sin. So, that's what it doesn't mean. What does this mean then to cover sin as an expression of love? Well, in order to discover this, we're going to look at the near context right in this verse, and then we're going to expand out a little bit to what other verses in 1 Peter where he brings up love. And then we're going to go to the farthest context. We're going to look at the Old Testament to see what it means for love to cover a multitude of sins. And once we figure it out, we're going to apply it to our hearts. So, right away in verse 8 in the near context, the text says, above all, keep fervent in your love for one another because love covers a multitude of sins. So this love is for, now listen, it's for each other. This love then is about people, and so the love he's talking about is about relationships. Love stretches and covers in real-life relationships. As much as we hate to bring it up, love is lived out in the context of relationships. As much as we haven't even thought about it, all the fruits of the Spirit can't be expressed except in relationships. This love is about relationships. So the sin here is going to be sin in our relationships, sin in interpersonal relationships. This is not covering up somebody's habit of stealing cars. This is interpersonal relationships. Further, this is shocking. Watch this. Listen carefully. This is not covering up annoyances. This is not covering up bad habits. This is not covering up irritations. This is covering sin. Of course we cover annoyances. Of course we cover bad habits. Of course we cover irritations. Don't even need to talk about that. Love covers one or two sins. No. Love covers a multitude of sins. Whatever we know about the text says this is sin. I don't, it, the text does not address whether the other person sees their sin or not. That's not the issue. Or he would have brought it up. It's real sin, whether they see it or not. That's what we learn in the near context. Now, let's go out a little bit now. We're starting to see that it's about relationships and sin and relationships. It's real sin, a multitude of sins. Now, let's go then to the far context in 1 Peter. Take, just turn a page back. Because in to our scripture reading, to 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 22. This is what Brandon read. And this is, the, this is really the first time that Peter brings up fervent love, fervent love in the book of 1 Peter. So look at it and find chapter 1 and verse 22. Since you have, in obedience to the truth, purified your souls, for a sincere love of the brethren. 
So we're, we have this love within us as believers, but we're still commanded fervently, there it is, fervently love one another from the heart. Why? For you have been born again, not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable. That is through the living and enduring word of God. And then he quotes Isaiah in that place talking about the word of God that's preached. And then he gets back to his topic in verse 1 of chapter 2. He says, therefore, in light of this command to fervently love one another, therefore, put aside, look at this, look at verse 1, put aside malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. And like newborn babies long for the pure milk of the word. So if you're going to put on fervent love, Peter says, you got to put off the sins of verse 1. Those are all relational enemies to love in verse 1. And this fits then with 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 8. Take a, take a look, one page to the right. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 8. He comes to sum up some of the things he's been saying. He says this in verse 8 to sum up. All of you be harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, and that's brotherly love word. So this is talking about, listen, verse 8 of 1 Peter 3 is about believers' love for one another within the church, not about outsiders. This is about the church in 1 Peter 3.8. All of you be harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted, and humble in spirit. Watch this, verse 9, it's about the church. It's not about outsiders. Not returning evil for what? For evil or insult for insult, but, in, but, in, but giving a blessing instead for you were called for this very purpose so that you might inherit a blessing. Do you realize that insults come from within the walls of this church? Do you know that he says that evil will come from within the walls of this church, threatening our love? This means that brothers and sisters in this church will sin against you. There's a multitude of sins in this passage. Did you hear that? A multitude. The elders and deacons will sin against you. Mark it down, put it on your calendar, write it in your journal. It's going to happen. And you may sin against them. Don't respond in malice and deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander. Don't return evil for evil or insult for insult, but instead, Peter says, give a blessing. And I would submit to you that love does not give payback. Love chooses to bless instead. And I'm going to say from the further context now that this is the very heart of what Peter means when he says love covers a multitude of sins. It's not a passive verb, this covering. It's an active verb. This is what we do. Covering is active, and it has to do with smiling and giving a blessing instead. 
That's the near context. Let's go to the far context because this is a quote from the Old Testament. Did you know that? Or at least a really, really tight allusion to the Old Testament. So the far context is we're trying to determine what it means that love covers sin. This is a quote, I think, or an allusion, and many, if not most, scholars agree to Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 12. It would be good to write that reference down. If you're fast, you can turn, but I'm just going to read this one verse. Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 12. It says this in Proverbs 10, 12, hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all transgressions. And so in the farthest context then, if love is not covering all transgressions, we know that's limited scripture, interpret scripture, multitude, not every one. Love covers all transgressions, and if it will not cover, then that person will be actively doing something else, stirring up strife in the church. If you are full of hatred towards the sins of others and will not cover their sin, that is the springboard for strife which leads to division and disunity in the local church. By contrast, loving one another will cover over many wrongs that will inevitably take place in any close local church community. In any close local church community. We want to do our little coffee shop, once a week thing, hi and goodbye. We can get away without living out this verse. If we are going to attempt real church family life, then we are going to be in the mud with each other. You're going to see my sin. You sin? That's funny for those who know me. You're going to see it. You're going to see it. What are you going to do about it? What am I going to do when I see yours? We don't pay back and stir up strife with relational sin in this fellowship. Instead, we bless our brothers and sisters, and that is what it means to cover sin. To bless and encourage instead of sinning back with envy and all of that chapter 2, verse 1 stuff. That is covering. And so covering of sin in relationships is active. And therefore, and therefore, it must, this covering must include forgiveness. Mark it down. This must include forgiveness. Now, if you understand forgiveness, forgiveness horizontally between two people is a transaction that technically occurs when one asks for forgiveness. And there's forgiveness granted. This horizontal transaction, will you please forgive me, and, and covering a love that covers sin, at least it means, yes, I will forgive you, I love you, let's walk together. Peter himself knew this lesson well, because right after in Matthew 18, Jesus teaches on church discipline. Peter's not extremely happy about this concept. Initially, he said, Lord, 
How often should I show my should should my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times. And Jesus says, I do not say to you up to seven times, but 70 times seven, which means love covers a multitude of sins. It includes at least forgiveness. Never keep score. It grants forgiveness freely to a brother and sister who seeks it. An infinity of forgiveness is what Jesus meant. Not when we get to 745 that you're getting four away, brother. You're really close to putting the cap on my forgiveness. That's not what he means. Through the power of the gospel, we forgive as Christ has forgiven us. But it at least includes that horizontal transaction of forgiveness, that covering. But love covering of sin goes beyond the official horizontal transaction of forgiveness. And I think this is absolutely wonderful. Love does choose to overlook a multitude of sins. That's what this word means. Love chooses to overlook a multitude of sins in order to bless them and help them grow. Not ignoring, not relabeling, not pretending it didn't happen, not covering it over with excuses, but love does actively choose to bless those in this fellowship who sin against you by letting relational sins go instead of posturing, paying back. Love lets it go. It lets it go. Love bears with your brothers and sisters. Love lets stuff go. It doesn't delight in envy and posturing and slander and finding and exposing their faults and sins and trying to they do this and you should do that. And No. Love delights. Love that covers delights in, in actually applying our first scripture reading. Listen to this. Love is patient. If this is not a definition of what covering sin means, love is patient. Love is kind. It is not jealous. Love does not brag. It is not arrogant. It does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own. Watch this. It is not provoked. It does not take into account a wrong suffered. It does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. Watch this. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. In other words, love that covers here is not only willing to do biblical horizontal forgiveness forever, but love is also willing to, be, to have a constant and persistent Vertical forgiveness, I call it, where we, we don't allow bitterness to stick and we can leave the past and we can press on because we have this heart attitude of forgiveness to our brothers and sisters who have done evil against us, who have reviled us, and now we're going to turn around and bless them. And we're going to choose to do that even though the horizontal transaction has not taken place. It's a vertical forgiveness that lets it go because of the blood of Christ. This is covering sin. I will actively pursue you with harmony and sympathy and kindness and humility. Yes, there is a time to confront sin. 
But oh my, are we ready? Do we have it all figured out? We're ready to fix everybody and their ministries and everything else. Slow down. Slow down. Not so fast. Look at your own logs. Look at your own motivations. Spend some time in verse 7 in prayer. Ask the Holy Spirit to do the work for that other person so you don't have to. Do you think the Holy Spirit is a better teacher than I am? Than you are? Check your heart at the door to see if your heart is ready to restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, looking to yourself so that you are not tempted. Brothers and sisters, love, how do we love? We love by covering a multitude of offenses and sins, a multitude of hurts, a multitude of letdowns, a multitude of disappointments and irritations. Only Holy Spirit-induced love has this kind of power, both horizontally and vertically, to freely forgive in this church. Only Holy Spirit-produced fervent love seeks to actually know the person and understand where, they're, where they've been and try to help them. Only this kind of fervent love goes on the offensive, goes on the offensive and blesses anyways. Only this kind of Holy Spirit fervent love puts a blanket over people's faults and smothers them in the oxygen and smothers the oxygen of irritation and hurt. Only this kind of fervent love doesn't cling to grievances and wounds that keeps conflicts from being resolved. This kind of love refuses to mark down these injuries and overcomes, as Paul said, overcomes evil with good. This is Jesus. This is the love of Christ. I mean, give me a break. Look at his love for his pathetic disciples. How many sins did Christ cover? Did he ignore them? Did he represent them? Did he sweep them under the rug? Surely not. Look at these poor chaps. Jesus, hey, I want to sit at your right hand. My mom wants me to sit there as well. Jesus, who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, me or? God forbid that any of the stuff that you said out of your mouth, Lord, would happen to you. Even if all these others leave you, Lord, I will not leave you. I will not deny you. Love covered them all. Peter would know when three times around that charcoal fire he denied his Lord and Savior. Jesus caught his eye and looked him in the face and Peter went out and wept bitterly. And Peter wasn't happy about it. He went out back fishing. I'm done. Jesus comes to him, right, around a second charcoal fire and restores him back to service, Peter knows that love covers a multitude of sins. 
doesn't cover every sin. There's time when that love requires confrontation, exposure. We do have church discipline, public sins that drag Christ's name through the mud, all of that. We don't take sin like it's not sin. It's the, it's, it's the great evil. But I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, we need to be careful here. We need to be careful here. If we choose not to confront someone after we've prayed and given them a lot of time, is this love that covers or is this simply fear that clams up? I don't know. We have the Scripture needs to interpret Scripture. You know what, brothers and sisters? I'll tell you what. (laughs) This verse will destroy pettiness and nitpicking that threatens to divide local churches over gray areas. This verse will annihilate that. So many opportunities for love to cover a multitude of sins. I think MacArthur, as usual, hits it head on. He's right. Quotes about this passage. What does it mean, then, that love covers a multitude of sins? It means specifically that a Christian should overlook sins against him, if possible. Always be ready to forgive insults and unkindnesses, frequently overlooked and quickly forgotten. Now, I could give personal examples, and, and I don't think it's profitable to do so. Am I right? So let me give you an example from the life of one of my favorite scholars, D.A. Carson. He tells a story from his past that I think is helpful. And I'm just going to quote him. I wish I could do his accent. Right, Brian? It would be good. At the end of the day, okay, there you go. That's your D.A. Carson for the day. D.A. Carson says, years ago, a Christian brother took me aside and told me that he wanted a private word with me as I had offended him. We arranged a meeting. He told me that I had deeply offended him in three particulars. I was unaware of what I had done to cause him such distress, and I was really eager to put things right, so I asked him to explain. His first reason for being offended, he said, lay in something that had happened 21 years earlier. We had been talking about something or the other in the theological world, and he quoted a few words from an author who had written in French. Without thinking, I had repeated the few French words after him because I had been brought up speaking French, and so I was was unconsciously correcting his pronunciation. At the time, he said nothing, but he had taken deep offense. He said, I want you to know, Don, that I have not spoken another word in French from that day to this. Uh Uh-oh. I immediately apologized for having offended him, however unwittingly, but at the same time, I could not help thinking, number one, that a bigger and more self-confident man would have either been grateful for the correction and improved his French or brushed off the correction. And number two, that a bigger and more self-confident man, knowing my background, as the chap did, would have recognized the unconscious nature of my correction stemming from my own background. And three, that there was something profoundly evil 
about nurturing a resentment of this order for 21 years. And four, in any case, even if I had been boorish in my remarks, which means intentional and nasty, like in Peter, a true sin. A true sin. Even if I had sinned in my remarks, it would have been the mark of Christian maturity if he had simply loved me, forgiven me. Because Carson says, love covers over a multitude of sins, both real and imagined. In quotes. Why? Number three, as we close. Why does love do this? We've seen the nature of love, what it is. We've seen how this love is expressed, the expression of love covers a multitude of sins, but why? Why do we love in such a way as believers? Let me give you three reasons for love here. Number one, and these reasons will stoke the fire of love if we'll let them. And We'll end with these three briefly. Number one, the deadly danger of division. This will stoke the fire of love in this fellowship if we just see what's at stake if we will not. The deadly danger of division. Peter writes, love covers a um, fervently love one another from the heart. Why? Because love covers a multitude of sins. We got to love because love is going to cover, and that's going to be blessing instead of cursing. And we're not going to then bite and devour one another. We're not going to divide and, and break apart. And, and our light won't grow dim. We're like a fire that's been lit by the Spirit. It's bonfire season. There's one Thursday night at Brian's house for the men. And there's others that, that, that are happening. But if the fire is started by the Spirit and we are pulled away, right, we will grow cold. Our fire will be put out. It'll destroy the fire, but worse or at least is worse. The bright light of the gospel won't go into the darkness. There is much at stake here, the deadly danger of division. Number two motivation. Why? What is the reason for love? The near return of Christ. The near return of Christ. Peter began this section in chapter 4, verse 7, the end of all things is near. And then all four of those activities or those commands are, are all modified and motivated by the nearness of the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. All of them, including this love command. So we love in light of the end, just like we pray in light of the end. You see? Now, so here's what I'm saying. If, if we set our hope on the revelation to be revealed at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, if we saw the big picture of the need of this world and the lost people in this world, the people that are dying for the, for the cross of Christ in this world, if we got involved in the big picture plan of God and we knew the hope of the glory of His return and all that we have in Him, and the, and, and the relief to come, and the glory to come when He comes. And we set our sight upon the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. All of these things that we're even thinking about covering would go away. They would be strangely dim in the light 
of the glory of grace. The near return of Christ ought to stimulate us to cover it and move on. We got stuff to do. To, to, to put aside the pettiness, to shake off the cobwebs, to love each other all the more as we see the day approaching, to stir each other up. Let me ask you a question. I'll be quiet. You think the dear brothers and sisters in the church of Afghanistan are worried about the color of the carpet? I think they're nitpicking each other right now. I think they're worried about being right on the mass and the mandates right now. They're dying right now. They're hiding right now. They're clinging and waiting for their Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and they're clinging to each other, all that they have. And that leads us then to the most important reason for love, the tender love of God. We love because he first loved us. Brothers and sisters, this love is not human love. This is God's love through the Spirit being manifest. We can't love with the same measure as the triune God, but we can have the same quality of love as the triune God because it's the Holy Spirit producing it. Now hear me. Think then, He loved me, so I love others. Grace to me, grace to others. Love to me, love to others. That's the work of the gospel. What kind of love did Christ have for us? Did he look and say, if Jody does this and if Jody does that long enough and is a good person, then I will love her? Did he look at you and say, oh, how cute and how cuddly. You're just so much love. There's so much in you to commend my love that is lovable. Of course I love you. Because you're so lovable. Is that the love of God in Christ? Is that what the gospel tells us? No, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He so loved the world in the book of John. That's the world of darkness. That's the world of emptiness. The shock of the book of John is that God would love the darkness like us and give his life and have his son consume the darkness that we may be freed from that darkness. We can cover sin because our Lord Jesus Christ stretched out on that tree and took and covered our sin on the cross of Calvary by His precious blood. And as we reflect on the love of God in Christ and the nature of that love and the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, it is then that we will be able to stretch ourselves out for others. Only when we consider that He stretched out upon the tree will you ever stretch out in love for one another. And when He covers sin, He knows what He's doing. He removes it as far as the east is from the west. It doesn't mean we ignore sin, but I'll tell you what, love remembers as we are in this fellowship. Christ loved me that what that brother is saying about me, boy, if he only knew the truth about me, it'd be a lot worse. 
Christ has bought me. He's bought him. We're in this together. I love you, brother. Let's go. Let's move on. Yes, there's a time for confronting sin, but I would submit to you, you ought to start with 1 Peter 4.8. Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another because love covers a multitude of sins.